1: wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest news, reviews, previews, rumors, and much more in the world of PlayStation. I'm joined this week, before we get into any of it all, by Jada Griffin.
2: Hello, hello and welcome back, Jonathan. It's so good to have you back this week.
1: Thank you. I let I let the kids run amok last week and I had to come back. I couldn't wait another week and just, and just no, you all did a great job without me. It was a very fun episode to actually listen to on my end.
2: I uh, I definitely would have done a lot more if Mark had it, like, reined rain me in. Classic definitely, Mark. Yeah, that's him. you know... <laughs>
1: We're also joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. Lucy, welcome back.
3: Hello. It is nice to be back. It is nice to have you a, here. an absolute pleasure to be back, especially because I'm playing games that I'm very excited <laughs> by at the moment. So I can't wait to dive in.
1: Yes. Yeah. We we have some big games in the, the past couple of weeks to, to catch up on as well. And so that'll be a lot of fun. And also joining us this week is Tom Marks. Tom, welcome back. Hello. It's been a while it has it's been a while indeed and i'm excited to have you all here as we are gonna you know jump into uh, obviously the last few weeks you've heard some of our horizons some of our elden ring impressions we have some people who haven't gotten to give those so we're gonna dive into those a little bit later as well uh including you know this week is the release I, I think it's worth mentioning from the top this week is the release of gran turismo 7 unfortunately since i was off last week and then coming back now uh i didn't get to figure out schedules and plan things so luke who who wrote our review luke riley unfortunately i couldn't have him on the show this week but I'm hoping to in, in a week or two to come but please go check out his review on IGN uh, or watch the video version on IGN or YouTube he gave it a nine and really really loved it and Luke is I think we can all say is like one of the most when you think of a car game you go to Luke so
3: I, th- I think I, I could safely say he is the expert on car games Yes, like like in like globally He is the guy. He just, he has this incredibly complex brain that is able to sort of figure out what makes one car game different from another car game, which is something that I personally cannot do. But like, if, 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 you know, if you want the final word on whether a a car game See, do we even call it car
1: games? It feels that- like we're really belittling it in a way when we keep saying car I'm games. Really but- <laughs> belittling it, and I'm, I'm hammering it home.
3: Uh, go to go to a Luke Riley review. Yes,
2: sure. And I think, yeah, he, I think it's safe to say car games are like Hot Wheels, and racing games are like GT.
1: That works. Right. Yes. This is this is definitely a racing <laughs> game. Uh, and it's a car yeah. game. It's a car game, and you can go check out Luke's review of it in the meantime uh, before we're able to have him on. Please, please go check that out. Of course, Gran Turismo 7 launches, uh, I think, this Friday, so people will be able to jump in. Uh, and as well as that, this week, there there is, I think, it's this week, though, you could have gotten pre- Order the access to it, Babylon's Fall, which is a PlayStation console exclusive. And jade I know you've been playing, so we'll talk a little bit later in the show about that as well. Uh, so we'll be covering that too. But yeah, just wanted to mention, obviously, for for the Grand turismo fans, just to let you know, Luke isn't on the show this week, but hoping to have him later this month. Also, I owe everyone out there an apology. For the last few weeks, I've been saying, hey, please write in to beyond at ign.com with your questions or comments on the show, and we'll read them. And I hadn't really been seeing any emails. Turns out because of an, uh, an email snafu in our back end, I wasn't on the Beyond email thread anymore. So I haven't been getting those emails. I apologize <laughs> to everyone who has been writing in over the last few weeks. So if you've written in, just go ahead and, and copy paste it back to beyond I'll get it now. We'll 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 actually be able to read those on the show in the future. But I came back from break and I was like, huh, I, I just realized I haven't gotten a single email. And so please write into beyond and I'll actually get them now to actually read on the show especially if you've been playing horizon if you're going to be playing gran turismo if you've been playing Elden ring please let us know and we'll read them on the show mm-hmm. A- anyway i think that's all the housekeeping out of the way i think that's all of it so for now let's jump into Wait. yes can, can oh, i no. can I add
2: one thing uh yes. i also want to uh thank our fourth he- our fourth fourth guest tom marks from joining us today t- did tom
1: did we introduce tom i intro tom yeah. did you oh now I i'm totally worried m- did i not Tom, i did totally I missed one? it if i did
4: no
3: i'm just i'm just low-key <laughs> i was like did, yeah, did, you just, did you just entirely sort of like blank a big section of the podcast <laughs> I,
4: I just i'm just one of those forgettable faces
1: it's fine no tom, <laughs> you know I haven't, haven't, right. stop it yet. it's okay it, it's probably because tom and i podcast so much together as it is that you know just, what it's just I, innate I think he did say that, and I blinked. So I apologize. (laughs) I
2: I derailed the show. Thank you. And I'm just going to turn off my camera now, and you guys have a good uh, little three-person show. Um, (laughs) We'll talk to you later, (laughs) Jenna. Bye. Uh,
1: And yeah, well, let's get into it. And before we do, of course, I do want to say welcome to Tom. Tom, it's great to have you here. Uh, Thank you you for finally
4: (laughs) acknowledging my presence. I appreciate that. Happy
1: to do it. Uh, Tarm, it is, is your name? Um, Anyway. I did want to talk this week because we're getting into... Oh, no, Tom is gone. Tom just... <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> uh, I did want to get into and talk a little bit about... Because we are sort of approaching... It's a bit of a quiet news time for PlayStation. And when this happens, sometimes it's easy to fall into like, oh, no, what's PlayStation got going on? We we know PSVR 2 is in the works. We've seen the headset last week. Uh, we have all these rumors and reports on a new beefed up sort of Game Pass competitor. And that's kind of what we're, we're going to talk about today. But we're in that quiet gap where we don't know any actual facts about these things from playstation we're waiting on official word it is i will say for those who don't follow these things march is the end of most people's fiscal year uh and so we're going to get a lot of reports at the end of march or early april about how companies have been doing for the year and there's kind of no better time to tell your investors hey here's all the exciting stuff we have going on um That's especially why you see a lot of games come out before the end of March, to be able to hit that fiscal year and make it seem good at the end. But so... We're kind of going to get into the rest of the year, and, and that means we're going to hopefully learn a lot soon. And one of the things that we're hoping to learn about is that beefed-up PlayStation Plus successor, whatever it's called right now, the the code word that we've seen flying around from GamesBeat and Bloomberg and things is Project Spartacus is kind of the, the code word for it right now. Uh, and we've been operating under the assumption from a Bloomberg report from a few months back that it was going to be revealed in the spring. Well, we're getting toward the spring. It's a couple weeks away. We're getting to the end of this fiscal year in the beginning of a new one. So we're kind of expecting something to happen. Uh and alongside that expectation comes a new report from GamesBeat about sort of the alleged three actual tiers of what Spartacus is. Uh so right now as we we know it these are again all unconfirmed details and are subject to change. Obviously, once PlayStation announces things, it could be very different. Right now, there are three tiers priced at $10 per month, $13 per month, and $16 per month. The base tier is essentially PlayStation Plus. It gets you the monthly free games uh, and you know online access, things like that, that you expect from PS Plus. Uh, The second tier would be those free games as well as a game catalog allegedly of hundreds of older downloadable games. Uh, According to the most recent report, it essentially seems like PlayStation took the PlayStation Now library and just kind of plunked it over into the playstation plus side of things uh and then the premium you know top tier 16 dollars a month would include both of those things as well as streaming capability so you could stream games instead of having to download them uh there will be allegedly a, a library of classic games which i'm i'm not quite sure what the difference would be from the downloadable games but i assume more looking back at the ps1 through ps3 eras uh as well as the ability to do game trials which is something we saw playstation testing i think last year where they were essentially letting people play the first, like, four or six hours of a game uh, as a trial. And so that seems like it's going to be baked into this tier as a thing. Uh, obviously, again, just to preface that, all of those details might change. The tiers might switch. The pricing might switch. Some of it might be completely wrong. Some of it might be absolutely right. We just don't know until PlayStation announces it. But it feels like we were getting closer and closer to this being a thing especially with uh, PlayStation Plus this month having Ghost of Tsushima Legends, which is a pretty big first-party thing to put in there, and PlayStation Now getting a game day and date with Shadow Warrior 3, which doesn't always happen on PlayStation Now. Um, So all of that preamble out of the way, I just wanted to sort of set the stage, and then I'm going to throw it all of you, and Jade, I'll start with you. What do you think of the potential for these three tiers? Does that scheme excite you as a, like... Would you be interested in paying $16 a month for all of those things or $13 a month for the basically PS Now and PS Plus combined?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've been on the fence for PS Now for so long because there's a lot of good games on there that I just but I just can't seem to commit to PS Now because I have so many other games to play currently. Um, so I guess maybe the fact that it wrapping into my current subscription that I'm already paying for with Plus a little bit more extra m- a month I guess it's the same thing but it's not two separate subscriptions. I don't know. It's um it's one of those things where yes, I'm excited for it. Yes, I'm I'm hoping that some of this stuff is true. The price point seems okay. It seems fine. Um it'll be interesting to see what it looks like for the year and like the 3 month cards and stuff like that cuz we're what is it currently? Isn't it like not 10 bucks a month already for plus as it is and then it's uh 15 for or what is it's 10 bucks a month and then like 25 for three months and then 60 60. for the year yeah so it'll be interesting to see how those conversion rates kind of swap between the different versions if you're able to buy full years or if you have to do month to month if you're doing like the middle plans or something like that it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops
1: yeah, I think Game Pass Ultimate, which is kind of obviously the 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 elephant in the room, is you know this seems like somewhat of an answer, obviously to the excitement around Game Pass that has been brewing and only growing. I think for for years now, uh, I think is fifteen dollars a month, so that premium tier would put it kind of right in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucy, I'm curious to hear what you think because we have we've talked a lot about the show in the past of like why don't they just put PS Plus yes now together and it seems like it's finally happening but do you feel like that that structure is enticing enough for people who like jada have been waiting you know like is that something that you would pay more for those extra tiers?
3: uh yeah i mean you know it uh, yes i i suppose so i i the the back the ease of the back catalog coupled with you know just a just a, a more easeful subscription model would be great because right now ps now and playstation plus is just it's it isn't streamlined at all so i do like the idea of streamlining it the thing that i'm sort of a bit uh, confused about is the you know the the mega super souped up subscription model which gives you like essentially it's like a, a time demo right like like EA does you get a certain amount of time and then and then you have to go and buy the game or, and and that's, that's great. That is great. I think that's a fantastic, like incentivizing thing for them to do. But at the same time, it's still really hard to justify that price point against game pass, which offers you the entire game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just like, it, it, that's a, that's a, like a difficult pill to swallow. Like I do think it's smart uh, from a business standpoint, uh, but when you're looking at what Game Pass is offering with the full game day and day, um, at around the same price point, getting a trial is is not is is not as it's just not quite as good, right? And and totally. and so for me, I you know I'm a little bit like it would be really interesting to see if that if that model is accurate, a and b if it evolves at all, you know, yeah. like for example, could they do a sort of a, 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 like a digital drop type thing. So the game comes out, you, you play the trial, and maybe like a month down the line, you get the the whole experience, you know, for like a month, right? Yeah. Like, you know, maybe maybe that could be the evolution of it. Like, I, I'm just really confused at, at what they think, if this is accurate, <laughs> at what, you know, they think the general sort of uh, response is going to be. Because people are going to compare this to Game Pass. Like, it is yeah. absolutely that is mm-hmm. going to happen. So, when- so like, it, like, all of this is good stuff, and, like, it's positive, it's it's positive, and I'm, I'm pleased that they're doing it. But at the same time, like, when you look at that PlayStation Plus premium package, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> you know, you've really got to sort of weigh it up against what Game Pass is offering right now.
1: Yeah, because the, the unspoken thing, I think, of this is, as, as you were alluding to, Lucy, Xbox Game Pass, you get xbox first party games day and date now that they've bought so many companies that's a lot of games that you'll potentially be getting day and date on the service without paying everything that we've been operating under the assumption at least so far and obviously this might change but like we're assuming playstation plus plus whatever they call it is not going to have playstation games day and date is just the the assumption here. Sony does right. love those day one launches, does love being able to tout how many copies Horizon or God of War or Uncharted has sold. And they don't seem eager to change those sales into subscription numbers at the moment.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I get that again, first party is so important to them and there is a certain like degree of prestige around, as you say, like a first party launch. Um, and it's a big part of why people buy PS fives, right? Like they want to play those first party games. Um, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, yeah. People are going to compare those two subscription models, and um, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for some. I think.
2: You know what's going to would really excite me if I get access to all the digital games I bought on my PSP, my Vita, and my PS3. Like, if I got access to those digital games in that top tier premium uh, pass, that would be amazing because I have so many digital games that I just don't can't really access or. Access in a meaningful way, I should say, um, other than yeah. returning to those previous consoles and having to boot them up and load them up. Like, I would love to be able to go back and play some of my downloadable titles from then. That would be awesome. Yeah, and,
3: and just a little bit more respect for the back catalog would, be, would go a long way. Yeah, right? 100%.
1: Yeah, that, that's the hope here. And Tom, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts of it as uh, especially, I think, at least more than myself and, and Lucy, Jade, I don't want to speak for you on the on the PC side, but as someone who I think, Tom, plays probably a little bit more PC games than the two of us, at least. Um, what. Well, this sort of library access like that isn't a thing that people worry about with steam i can still go play a game i bought a decade plus ago on my steam library and play it as long as it's supported pretty well playstation has had this thing where backward compatibility has not been a thing so Mm -hmm. you know other than the last generation so it will be nice to get all of that back because the the ps3 did have those back catalogs on it and then they just suddenly removed that but i guess i'm curious like to it from your point of view is that an exciting incentive for a subscription service like this is it more sort of just like a is there a worry that it is gating access to old games behind having to pay for a subscription model like how do you feel about i mean that?
4: That, that's a big question right because like the the that that dips into the conversation of like games preservation in in a big way in terms of like you can also look at you know nintendo's recent announcement that they're just like turning off the wii u basically and like all those games are going away and like i think that that is an interesting sort of larger issue this is a good like band aid solution in my eyes, and I think a lot of what these like reported details or reported details like say to me is that Sony realizes they need to, is realizing they need to add more value to their subscription service in some way because Game Pass is such an like it's on the tip of everyone's tongue whether you love it or hate it right like it is it is making waves within the industry and I think this is. Absolutely a step forward in terms of them trying to add more value to their own service, and the the classic games right I see as a nice little way to do that. Nintendo has that thrown into their own online service as well, and you can go mm-hmm. back and play these Super Nintendo games or whatever, and they're adding to that so i I think this is a good thing for sure that Sony is making taking steps. I don't really see it as like. The end of the like the the be all end all of what they need to be doing, right? I think mm-hmm. they, they will eventually need to do more, and I have faith that they might eventually do that. But this is like a step along that path. Also, one thing yes. one one thing that jumps out to me that I did want to just say is like Lucy's point about the game trials being compared to like day one stuff is is totally. I think you're hit the nail on the head there. But then on top of that, like I. <laughs> I appreciate that game trials are part of this, and I understand that these game trials are longer than most demos, but, like, I don't want to normalize the idea that we should be paying for demos, right? Like, totally. demos yeah. used to be, like, a very normal thing and a very frequent thing and are have been coming back to a certain extent in recent years for some games, but, like, the idea that you can't try a game at all unless you're already paying them money is, like, Annoying in a world where games are sixty dollars and going up, and money is tight for a lot of people, right? And and I don't like the idea that, I, like, get, the fact that game trials might be included in this is great and cool, and that rocks, and I love that they are a little more extensive and give you a little more time with the game, but also like, just 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 do that. I feel <laughs> right? like, that should, like I, don't, yeah. I don't charge us for demos. Yeah, I feel like.
3: It, it, it,
2: I Go ahead. Listen, no, please. Go, go
3: here,
2: I was going to say, I say, I feel like if they're going to include include game trials, that should be in the very base PS Plus price. Right. Like maybe there's an enhanced 100. version Absolutely. at the top tier. There's an enhanced so like maybe you get two hours at the free so you can actually try it. And then if you pay for the premium, you get like five to ten hours, you know, of the trial or whatever. Maybe not ten, because some games you can beat that fast. And there <laughs> would be people who do it, but, um, but yeah, I think it should be at the base price if it's going to be anywhere in the subscription service.
3: Yeah, it is. It, you're so right. Both of you are so right. Like it, you know, the, the idea of paying for a trial that incentivizes you to pay for the full game sounds, it's not, it's not a great, <laughs> it's, no. it's not ideal, you know, yeah. like, you're I, getting other things I agree with both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah Yeah, it's
1: it as you had said tom it feels like a a band-aid to kind of like start the process of of living up to things and And, and i think you
4: and i don't want to belittle that step right like i do think that this is very encouraging what they're doing here if if all this comes to fruition right i do think that that is very encouraging and i think that they are doing a good job of providing a lot more value to if again these sort of things are correct and the prices are right still a par- a fairly reasonably priced thing even at the top tier right uh, yeah. in terms of the world of subscriptions but yeah like i think i think they this is like this is me saying like good sony this is good keep going <laughs> right
3: like <laughs> yeah keep yeah. going yeah it's sort of I, i'm hoping it's going to be like a soft a soft launch that it like evolves relatively quickly right yeah, yeah. and
1: I I think one of the biggest question marks is going to be what those libraries end up being, both the one that is the hundreds of games and then the classic libraries. Like, I assume to me, classic libraries spells PS1 through PS3. We're going to give you all the PlayStation classics that you've been asking for. Like, here are the ways you can play old resistances and ape escapes and. Jet mode Yes, and, and every, every like everything in between that is that you associate as a PlayStation game from those generations that you haven't gotten gotten yet. Whereas I don't know why I say said gotten. Whereas the library at, at sort of the middle tier feels like the the Game Pass equivalent, but I do think it's going to come. Like the thing that we often see with Game <laughs> Nice Red uh, for anyone who's watching the video version, Red, red coming in with the B roll. Um, I it's weird because i don't mm-hmm. associate playstation now with getting those games day one yet and so right. if this is able to do that more like we're, we're seeing day one launches of a couple games on game pass just this month and and granted it's not the biggest games in the world but like uh far uh, forgive me tom i'm blanking on the subtitle because i keep getting changing tides i wanted to keep saying loan sales but that's the first game yeah. uh is coming to game pass i believe day one uh young souls another indie is coming to game pass day one mm-hmm. uh this month that and they're really
3: getting
2: cool
1: yeah, and then they're also getting Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, just four or five months after it was out on there. We we haven't seen that at a constant cadence with PlayStation, but I think that's only because PlayStation Plus is only three or four games at most a month, and at least in the beginning of the PS5's life cycle, we did see a new game kind of debut each month. Like Bug Snacks was free on PlayStation Plus at launch. We saw other games come out. Destruction All-Stars, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were seeing that a little bit, but it's like we don't know how, how much of a volume they can do that at, I think is the big question, um, and how much they'll want to. But yeah, yeah. it's but i think like you all have said it's it's a good step but i'm i'm curious what it will actually look like when we get full details i'm curious if those out there uh if you you would pay this much money each month for these things if it's really going to be game dependent for you uh if it's going to be a matter of like subscribing to game pass ultimate for one month to play there if you have both and then one month on on playstation because you want to get a game there we might get into one of those weird scenarios but um let us know in the comments what you're thinking of, if you would pay for these tiers to get that stuff right into beyond at ign.com which you can do and i will see those letters now and let us know what you're <laughs> thinking about this i am i am very curious especially as we get i think closer and closer to the launch of whatever this thing is going to be how appealing it's going to end up being to the playstation audience because a lot of people do buy playstations for the first party exclusives and then the biggest of the biggest AAA. and so i'm, I'm curious how it will go from here Moving on from there, though, to some other news this week that I did just want to briefly mention. Uh, Horizon got a patch this uh, morning. The patch notes went up, and it has the most important patch note of all time. Hold on, Aloy will stop. Yes,
3: honestly, I just- <laughs> think. i was
2: gonna do do a bit but it's totally fine (laughs) i was gonna say i've got these notes but uh i've got too much in my bag i'll send it to my stash um it's
1: (laughs) which is thankfully what she's gonna stop saying as much as she has um so yeah for those there are plenty of other patch notes they're they're addressing ui and and graphical issues and audio things and so much more in the game as they're continuing to listen to feedback there's other stuff they said they even are aware people are upset about that they're going to be looking into that includes things like uh i have this problem where fire gleam icons don't remove from your map even if you've completed them um so they're aware of stuff like that some specific quests uh issues and things like that they're working on those things but yes in addition to many other fixes aloy will stop saying i need to put this in my stash and say
3: can i just quickly like just go back to the stash thing because (laughs) she says it so often That it like, like it undermines very sort of emotional key story beats sometimes. Like I'll have a moment where, I don't know, like I, you know, something profound has happened and, or I've just defeated like a huge machine and I'm like feeling that swell of victory. And then she'll just undercut it by saying, oh, I don't have enough room in my bag. I'll put it in my stash. It's just every single, she says it so much. It's almost like, um, like a nervous tick. Mm like they programmed her to say it so often that it feels like it's like some kind of like, like a, a mental issue yeah <laughs>
1: yeah like it, it's a manifestation of something like it could be read that way to a certain extent which is uh i think actually speaks kind of to the characterization they've done with the character and and how deep and and into Aloy's psyche we do get in this game
3: but yeah sure, it is very... but i'd prefer she see a therapist than yeah, say i fair. need to put that in my stash every i mean in a certain sense you are for the
4: second <laughs>
1: that's
3: true that's
1: very
4: um, cool. also but it also does kind of un- unintentionally hilariously call attention to a like immersion breaking aspect of the game, which is that you are like picking berries and they're magically going to a box, right? Like, mm-hmm. which is a thing that happens in so many video games and you don't ever really care about. But the fact that she calls attention to it
2: so frequently
4: means that you're like, <laughs> yeah. wait, what? Like
2: Yeah, it's like, what is this this item delivery service? Like, how how is this getting from point A to point B? I don't get it. Like
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it is a very funny thing that i think especially the problem with it is is because you're often picking up those health berries to recharge your health that's probably one of the most frequent things you're picking up and that seems mm. to trigger that line of dialogue the most yeah that, and like what mm-hmm. for your bow, bow and arrow so it is wonderful that that is being changed i know that's been annoying for a lot of people so hopefully it's a little less consistent as you're continuing to explore the forbidden west hopefully you get to hear all the other very good dialogue in the game instead because mm-hmm. as lucy sure. said it sucks when you're in the middle of a conversation with someone, they're trying to tell you a cool thing you like about the game. And then it's like, ah, oh, but I, I shouldn't have been picking up these berries, I guess. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's
2: like focus on the, it's, 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 it's Aloy's way of saying you should focus on this one thing at a time. Focus on the conversation. I am the objective in your mission right now.
0: And
3: I, do, I do. When we talk about what we're playing, I do want to, you know, sing a lot of Forbidden West. Uh, praises because there's uh, so many things yes. I love about that game um but I but I do want to say that like one jarring thing about jumping from Forbidden West to Elden Ring was that Elden Ring's protagonist is so quiet and it's actually <laughs> a little bit of a relief compared to the constant chatter that comes from Aloy so I think, I think there's a middle
1: ground that they could there, have met yeah, <laughs> there is a
3: middle ground, but, but, but you're yeah, you're and, right and hopefully with this patch uh, it will be less, as we've all said, jarring. Exactly. (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, just for those out there who maybe have been having that issue, as it seems we all have uh, with the repetition of all that, just so you know, that's now Uh, hopefully going to change soon. Uh, In addition to that, uh, if you're wondering uh, a little bit more about the world of Ghostwire Tokyo, obviously that's coming out at the end of the month and is another big PlayStation console exclusive. We'll hopefully be talking about that. I'm I'm very excited for that one. If you want to learn a little bit more about it, there's currently free for for download a Ghostwire Tokyo visual novel prelude. Uh, It's essentially kind of gets you into, I think... How the world of Ghostwire ended up as it is—it's uh, a visual novel, so again, it's not like some crazy action, you know, equivalent to the game. But it, it is more of a like getting into the story, getting into the world, getting to know this group of characters that are there. Um, I really think the art style for it looks really cool. You can play it both on PS4 and PS5, mm. even though Ghostwire will only be on PS5, which is sort of funny, but you can give it a try if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the world. I didn't get a chance to play it before the show so I don't know how it is, but uh I I just think this world looks awesome. I don't I don't know about all of you Jade. I know we've talked about it a little bit recently, but like it just seems like a really cool world so to get to learn more about it is a pretty cool opportunity for me.
2: Yeah, no, I think it looks like a it's a great way to introduce and I think the idea of uh, putting it on PS4 for PS4 users is to kind of give them something else, another game to add to the stack of list of games that they want to consider picking up day one when they pick up their PS5. You know, it's one of those things like they're it's trying they're trying to get their hooks into as many people as possible with this game. Um, rightfully so, it looks fantastic. I, I've I've really loved the art style and everything for it. I'm just uh, I still just need to actually feel the gameplay in my hands before I can get all aboard the hype train for it but it's definitely growing on me as time passes that hype train is uh is calling to me
3: <laughs> is well, it leaving the station though jada i haven't decided
2: yet i haven't decided if i'm buying a ticket yet that's the that's the that's the, that's the okay. thing I'm, I'm at the turnstile just waiting it's waiting for me to put my money in
1: you're okay. probably holding up a lot of people then if you're just <laughs> at the turnstile
2: <laughs> you know she's making uh, up your mind. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things. So, you know, some people can make a decision instantly. Some people toil away for months just sitting there having food delivered <laughs> while you're waiting in the front <laughs> of the line.
3: You <laughs> just, like, like... And pissing because you're not like going to the bathroom. Oh no no you're no! Just... There's a,
2: I, I literally brought my own porta potty. I've moved it. I, I rented a porta. I rented a porta potty to be delivered, and I'm renting it by the hour. It's very expensive. Okay. I very sh- expensive. A
3: sh- I a sh- nearby as well, so you can. Oh yeah, can, it's, got know, a, it's got it's got it's got
2: an eye wash station, so I make use of that.
3: This amazing, not amazing
2: <laughs> conversation. I want about to
3: stretch this here. metaphor so far. <laughs> this metaphor is going to be our thing now jada yes I'd, let's do it yeah i i
1: don't it sounds like you just built an apartment at the train station so i'm, I'm excited for for your new your new a lifestyle a little
3: shelter a little tent a porta potty nice so, some people just wait
1: for the train ticket to go on sale so you could have just done that probably yeah probably well, anyway Ghostwire Prelude Visual Novel is out there. Go ahead and download it. It's for free if you're interested in that world, and if you're not, well, maybe we'll talk about the game later this month, and that may or may not convince you. We'll find out then. Uh, Moving on from there, nothing to do with bathroom situations (laughs) at train stations. Uh, I just wanted to briefly mention, though, perhaps the bathroom situation in Las Vegas is not the best. Uh, PlayStation won really big at the Dice Awards, which were held this year in Vegas last week. Uh, Just to mention, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart won four awards, and Returnal won two, Uh, so congrats to both those games on those awards for those who, who don't know dices is, is one of the more industry focused awards it's it's voted on by peers in the industry um so it obviously is a really big, meaningful thing for a lot of the devs to win there. And so it's awesome to see those two teams celebrated amongst a bunch of other really great games that were awarded this year. Uh, and speaking of dice, Mark gave sort of a general uh, interview to the press worth briefly mentioning. There is like zero detail, so I'm not even going to pretend that like we're we got all the juicy scoops on this, but housemark said they are working and ideating in the very early concept phases of their new game which they're looking at as a new ip which presumably means it's not a returnal sequel i don't think that's the the biggest surprise to me i don't see returnal as a game that was built to be uh you know a six seven game franchise but Mm -hmm. i do love that world and if we get some dlc for it i would not be mad at all but um I don't know any Returnal or Housemark fans in particular on the panel if, if you're looking forward to anything from Housemark specifically going forward after Eternal, but...
4: I mean, I'm just I, I'm i just glad like, I, I liked Returnal, right? But I'm kind of just glad that a team that is seemingly this creative can just do whatever they like, do what they want to do and explore a new place and build new worlds because clearly they do a very cool, interesting, unique job at it and so I, I sort of almost prefer just seeing like what they can cook up next compared to just more of that world necessarily.
3: Even it's if always I didn't nice enjoy also, Yeah, yeah. And it's always nice just to see developers be able to like stretch their wings a little bit and not be tied into making sequel after sequel of sure. a successful IP, right?
2: Yeah, it's definitely yeah. different from where the industry was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was like, nope, you're getting, you're making this you're making resistance 2 you're making resistance three and i love the resistance mm-hmm. game so i'm not putting anything down it. but like you definitely could feel that like companies get very kind of like stuck in their ways because of publishers potentially that are just like nope you're this is what is making money this is what we are paying you to make um but yeah i i loved returnal and i'm super excited to see what it's going to have in the next one um and what like gameplay mechanics they're going to carry over to the next one like is it going to be this kind of um roguelike game again or are they going to do something different like i'm all in day one um preemptively seeing what it is if it's something that obviously (laughs) it's just like you know i don't know maybe not but like Based on my love for eternal and the 87 hours it took me to get the platinum looking for those dang glyphs. um, (laughs) I am I'm 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 very cautiously optimistic and ready for their next game.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see them be given that freedom, like you all were saying, and yeah, like Housemark clearly has this arcade DNA in them that they've been doing for so long, and it's something that I've loved and been drawn to since I think I first played Super Stardust. So it's, mm. I I have no doubt that they'll probably continue along those lines, but Returnal did really feel like step one for them getting to evolve it w- with all of that stuff, and the fact that as as you're always saying, like. Sony is just letting them do what they want. They were acquired to be able to do those games and not to do something different is really cool to see. And so hopefully continues with whatever their next game is. And I just hope we don't have to wait like five years. Cause I just want more games for them. They're very good at making games. Yep. Um, anyway last but not least just on the news front to let people know if you're a big resident evil fan uh re2 remake re3 remake and resident evil 7 will be getting uh a playstation 5 patch later this year uh, as well as on xbox series free upgrades for existing owners so you'll be able to get that they'll have visual enhancements for the new consoles um and if you already own it you'll obviously just get that for free um Again, just a really cool thing to see. That includes ray tracing, high frame rate, and 3D audio. The PS5 versions will also utilize the dual sense, haptic feedback, and adaptive triggers, though of course that means we'll have to see how they are when, when that stuff comes out. But yeah, that's that's a really cool incentive to play what were three very beautiful and fun games on the last gen and to have them sort of come up to parody a little bit more. They're all they are they're all relatively short, and I know we have some RE love on this panel, so I'm taking it oh, as yeah. a good excuse to go back to these. <laughs> very exciting yeah Um, but yeah just just to let those RE fans know out there and whenever hopefully we get Village DLC I'm just waiting for them to announce whatever the hell that's going to be Um, But that gets us through the news for the week. Just wanted to give you some of those small updates on things. Let's get into what we've been playing. And I do want to talk, uh, Tom and Lucy, to both of you about both Horizon and Elden Ring, respectively, on on what you've been playing of those. But I do want to start because it is obviously one of the launches this week. Jada, I do want to start with your thoughts on what you've been playing of Babylon's Fall so far this week. I'm ready for...
2: It's rough. It's rough, y'all. Um... (laughs) I went into it very open minded. I was like, I was like, this could be really cool co-op and a platinum game, platinum games game. Um, I'm really excited for like fast paced combat playing with my partner and other friends. I don't it does not feel like it has any of the platinum games DNA other than just the oddness of like the characters like that is something platinum games is like known for. Their characters are very out there and very unique and very different from the rest. And it definitely has that, but playing it on the PS5, graphically, it looks, it's just not up to snuff with anything else I've played on the PS4. Um, and then it's just the the character creator is an atrocity. I'm hoping because it's just a trial, I'm really fingers crossed because of the trial that there's more options coming to the character creator, but the the darkest skin tone that I could make for my character look like a white person who just got a tan. And I'm not saying that is any type of like this towards white people who get tans because do you. But I couldn't make a character in my image. And that really hurts when I want to feel represented in my game by my character that I'm going to be spending potentially hundreds of hours with this kind of a looter fight looter shooter sword fighter game. Like I wanted my character to look like me or what I want them to look like. It doesn't even go to where the the point of where like Elden Ring is where with Elden Ring. Yes, there it's not the greatest character creator for people of color. But I also there's so many more tuners and stuff to where I can tweak it and make it better. Like, that's why I ended up rolling She-Hulk for my Elden Ring character, because I just like I was like, you know what? I'm not really enjoying how my character is turning out, so I'm just going to go green and but <laughs> i couldn't do that with babylon's fall um it felt it the story felt a little convoluted in the cutscenes just at the start combat was cool it feels really nice when you perfect dodge attacks and you get that that time slow um it's really nice for that it you know i only played it for probably about five hours um but that was five hours of too much time i think for even me um so if you are curious or on the fence please go try the trial before you drop money on it that's i i'm sorry platinum games i'm sorry sony i love most of the stuff you guys dropped but this one just was not it for me um but yeah that's that's i tried to be as positive as possible there but i
3: think i was oh, no, I mean, negative thank, thank, you, thank you for taking <laughs> one for the team jada honestly like this oh, is really oh. good good feedback
1: yeah, yeah. Co-op fantasy platinum sounds really great to me. And like mm-hmm. everything we've seen in the lead up has been, uh, I don't know about this one, which which is so frustrating because it feels like it has that potential. And so to hear that it's not it like it is sadly not living up to that is just such a bummer because yeah. there there is, as you said, like there's pedigree involved here and great teams and the possibility, but it just does not seem to be coming together.
2: Yeah, uh, one thing I will say like that confused me, especially after character creation is like the second or third cutscene you get, there's a character that is literally darker than me in like (laughs) real life in the game. So I'm like, the skin texture is there. Where is why can't I choose this option? Also, the hairstyles were terrible, the hair, but hair in these types of games are almost always terrible. Um, That's why they you know, you see most people wearing helmets unless they have very short, like little. Buzzcut's like that character there. Um, I don't know if that's considered a buzz cut, whatever that is. I don't wear my hair <laughs> short, so I don't know what short hairstyles are called. Uh, pixie cuts, That's one of them. There we go. Um, I know hair. Um, <laughs> somebody <laughs> but yes, else knows.
3: To else your calls. point. Yeah, not, I know. I get just, what you mean. You know, yeah. and, and also, it's a, that's a really good point. You know, I, I think I am, am very privileged that for the most part these days, if I want someone to look like me in a character creator, which I usually do, I know some people choose to yep. like go totally different, like totally role-playing completely, but I like to generally have my yeah, make make a character in my image just like better looking. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah this is this is me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I have the options to 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 do that. And I, you know, it is it is really important that developers consider the breadth of skin tones and and hairstyles and hair types and Body types and all that sort of thing, um, because the world is an extraordinarily diverse place, and, and character creators should always reflect that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent agree.
4: Absolutely. If and if, if we're uh, talking about character creators, just for a moment, because I, yes. I know we were going to talk a little bit about Elden Ring, but like. Is this just me is Elden Ring's character creator like really hard to make anybody look good at all? Like, not, not belittling the points Jada yes. you specifically brought no, up. Yeah, for even. sure. It just is like, every time you move like the nose slider, the lips also change and then you change the cheeks <laughs> and then the forehead moves. And it's like, it's really like, it's just very, very difficult to make anybody look good in that character creator in my experience.
3: I feel like the defaults are like really like, Haggard. The game encourages you to look like sh- Right. <laughs> yes.
2: Which, because I they mean, know, you know, how much you, they know how much of it you're going to eat playing the game. So they yeah. just want exactly. you to say, they're setting the pace. <laughs> yes,
4: that thematically makes sense within the world. But also, yeah. there are beautiful people in that world that yes. are NPCs. Mm-hmm. So it's not like mm-hmm. everyone looks a little off in that world or anything
1: yeah it's yeah. no I'm, I'm my my girlfriend made my character for me because i just suck at character creators in general and she spent legitimately an hour and a half working and finessing a character and then moved like one slider wrong and couldn't get it back right it just didn't work and it was like oh no i'm
4: glad that's not only my experience and that's not to the yeah. ill of the game in any other way it was just i was making my character in that game and i was like this is Uncharacteristically difficult.
2: <laughs> I, I spent I spent forty five minutes making my character, and then I turned to the side for the side profile, and her face was just flat. Like there was just <laughs> yes, no yeah. Yeah. I
3: was just like, oh. zero chin, <laughs> zero <laughs> chin, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. <laughs> FromSoft is really great for making monsters.
3: Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. like
1: that—that that is why, like the McElroys made the Monster Factory franchise, which I've like—I've—I've I've loved watching those videos because it's literally just—they're perfect for making bizarre characters. Yeah. Not action. which I but, appreciate, yes.
4: which I appreciate. Yeah, exactly.
1: But to go back to Babylon's Fall, I think uh, you know, Jade. I was talking to you before the show. I've seen the video going around where they have the like limited palette of skin colors and the one that is I guess the closest to a black skin color they look like they maybe went to the beach for too long for a day like a, a white person yeah. who went to the beach and got a bad tan it's it's, it's really rough <laughs>
2: it's so weird because it starts off as you know a very light shade and then it goes to dark and then it goes back to light shades again for like the next eight options I'm like what reason could you need to go back to light after dark yeah. other than just just don't put those extra eight in there like it's yeah. <laughs> it's strange just, it
1: baffles it, me well and it's, it's a bummer that the gameplay afterward wasn't at least some sort of a salve for you it was still no. frustrating so it's a bummer to hear obviously you know go ahead and check out there there's plenty of i think a lot of people who have gotten into the early access of babylon's fall because there was like a three-day early access thing for a lot of people. there's a free
2: demo up on the store right now so like anybody can oh, go okay, and download nice. it yeah so cool
1: okay uh, See for yourself. Yeah. see for yourself but just be warned i i don't think i have sadly heard much great stuff in general about it so jada your your impressions definitely track with that um but i do want to of course talk about the other big games as well that have come out that that i want to check in especially with our our uh guests who haven't been on the show recently and i guess where do we want to start elden Ring or horizon i feel like i need a coin to flip um let's Why don't start with we, horizon let's go there first. Uh,
3: it's a little older so it's a little older so okay let's start with a week like, what, like a week <laughs> a <laughs> whole two?
1: week older um uh, let's start with Elden ring tom just know, have you played much Elden ring at all yet or no I,
2: I haven't
4: played a ton but i have i'm a like i think like a half dozen hours in right like so like okay, just scratch cool. the surface in terms of what that game is but enough to have a sense of it
1: cool just just wanted to check in jada for give me remind me from last week as of the time of recording last week you had not gotten to play either right or had you what elden ring and horizon or, or elden ring is at the time of recording last week's episode oh yeah no on. uh <laughs>
2: no i think i had played just a little bit or I'm, no i hadn't played it on wednesday i didn't play it till friday
1: so cool Good to know. Because, uh, yeah, I've, I've spent about 25, 30-ish hours in as well, so I'm just trying to get a sense of where everyone's at. And, Lucy, I know you've been playing a ton as well.
3: No, um, I, I well, not a ton. I've been talking bit, about it as if I've okay. been playing a ton. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite time poor at the moment for various reasons. So I've been, like, playing where I can, which has probably added up to only around, like, 11, 12 hours. So kind of close-ish, closer to Tom. Um, that's, but that's, i still have m- many thoughts many thoughts <laughs> in just that space of time that's about where i'm at i'm about
2: 12 hours in right now because i got in that initial burst played a bit and then i was like i need to go finish horizon and then i can fully dive into this world so mm-hmm
1: fair enough uh well let's just start with some some brief overviews then lucy i know you're saying you have a lot so let me just start with you what, how have you been feeling especially as i know your souls fandom as we've discussed many times on the show how are you feeling about elden ring so far
3: yeah well i mean you know just the caveat that i am a casual souls fan insofar far as like released. i played around 40 hours of pretty much all of them aside from bloodborne which i finished so i have like because i'm bad at souls games i've kind of bounced off um and really enjoyed my time with each of them like no resentment or anything i just like I'm, i I've put the game down and been like i'll come back to that boss later and then something else <laughs> comes out and i never go back right because it's yeah. very hard to go back into a soulsborne game if you've bounced off um but what i love about this and i know that a lot of people have have been singing all of what i'm about to say from the rooftops um but it is just incredible at how fromsoft have taken the soulsborne um sensibilities which are you know beautiful odd characters incredibly precise terrifying uh creative enemies uh you know the, the 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 amazing combat and movement and just this extraordinary world um and taken it from a you know a relatively linear place and just managed to translate that into an open world in a way that doesn't feel like okay i guess we'll just put what we do so well in an open world like the open world feels amazing that is the thing that has like rocked me so much it feels like every single part of it is there on purpose just like a souls game right like In the Souls game, you know that every single piece of the puzzle, well, every single piece of it is part of a puzzle. And this it feels the same way in an open world. And that just blows my brains. Like I just can't believe they managed to do it. I mean, from a development standpoint, it's an extraordinary achievement that, you know, that this huge, huge space can feel so purposeful and not only purposeful, but just so artful like it feels like this is you know i don't i don't want to be a cliche but it feels like this is like an actual piece of art that that i am in it feels like everything is there and someone has put it there not like a not like a you know like an automated thing not like part of some kind of programming uh ecosystem but like someone has gone in and purposefully put that thing in there and it just makes Traversing through this world, just the most wonderful delight because every there are so many little surprises and it does have that Fromsoft sensibility, so it is so weird and different and magical and it looks beautiful. Um, and 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 you know, on top of that, it is it is definitely I would say I would agree with the people saying it's more approachable than mm-hmm. a lot of the Souls games because of its checkpointing system, because of its fast travel. Uh, just because of the sheer like scope of it, you never feel really locked into one space or one particular enemy. You can always go back after you've leveled up, after you've explored more of the region. It's just the most incredible thing. <laughs> it's sort of like <laughs> for me, I'm like I, I, you know, I can't really gush about it enough. I, I, I'm finding it a magical experience. So that's that's my take on Elden Ring.
1: I think to your point about sort of the like purposefulness of the world I think it's because it's also so surprising often at each turn like you genuinely from rough little area to area you don't know really what you're in for until you go there. Um, and sometimes it is an incredible, wonderful surprise. Sometimes it, it's a chest that puts you into a crystal cavern that makes you want to throw your controller at the TV because it is insanely frustrating. But other times you figure out how to get through it because a friend comes in to help you. It is like minute to minute. There is a lot of just I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I want to go check out what that thing could be um feels like a lot of it uh, uh tom how, how have you been feeling about uh elden ring from your time with it so far
4: like i said i haven't played a ton uh i yeah. don't have sort of any disagreements i haven't gotten deep enough into the world to see all those sort of intersecting layers and all that depth um i have always enjoyed the combat of souls games but usually fall off of them just because of like i i'm It is it is demoralizing in a way that makes me put the game controller down to have like just lose all of your experience when you die. Right. Totally. Like that is that is just just a frustrating part of the game to me. And it's not something that I would ever advocate as like be removed from this type of game necessarily, just because like I understand that the explicit purpose of it is to make death have consequences at all points at all times to constantly be making you worry about yourself which is unique in among, amongst games given that so often you just run headfirst in, feeling like you're invincible in a game and this basically says hey you there are consequences if you're going to do that and i
3: appreciate this is slow down yes
4: yeah and and i appreciate that about the souls games it just also means that like i tend to get Frustrated with them more quickly and totally finish them as a result, right? Yeah, Um, this game, I think so far has indicated to me that there's a lot of reasons why that might um, it might stick with me longer, which is basically like the open world allowing you to just choose what you want to do. And the fact that there are these little mini even already early on, these little mini caves that you can go in and they're like a contained little challenge. And if that frustrates you and you're dying on it, Well, then you just like need to pick up the souls that you dropped and leave. Right. Like the fact that you have that option is really cool in this. Um, So I'm excited to play more of it. It doesn't necessarily feel like it. I I agree with Lucy that I think it is more accessible, but I also think it is like absolutely a souls game. (laughs) Right. And like if you dislike parts of souls games, like fundamental parts of souls games, they're probably not going to be like any better for you here.
3: <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like the avenue to it is is more straightforward, but mm-hmm. at the same time it's still an avenue into a Souls game. Right. Yeah.
4: And 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 again, I'm not like putting down Souls games. It's just that like I I know this about myself that no, eventually totally. that sort of thing will make me kind of just bounce off of it or not give it the time it really deserves. I played the most one I played was Demon Souls when it first came out and then Dark Souls three I played all the way through, I believe. And that was like that's kind of like my general experience with the with the genre. I've played others, just not a ton.
2: Yeah, the one thing I will say, Tom, about your point about losing the souls and the frustrate, like demoralizing aspect of it. I used to have to deal with that. Like I've played all the souls, but three. I know I'm going to get crucified in the comments because I skipped three. There's too many other things that year. Anyways, (laughs) I'm going to go back and play it. I have it on my system. It's in the backlog. (laughs) Um, But the one thing I had to adapt for all the previous souls games as I got like better, like not even before I got better, is I just had to accept loss. Like you just have to kind of accept that loss when you lose those souls. You just kind of have to be like, eh, whatever. I'm gonna, I'll go, I'll right. just go farm some more. Like as soon as you can kind of get into that mind state of like nothing is permanent. Like it's just kind of like I had some, I lost some, I'll get some more. It removes so much stress from my my time playing these games. Like because I just, it's just a more chill, relaxing experience because I'm not worried about it. Like does yeah. it hurt to lose? Twenty to fifty thousand souls or runes. Yes, it hurts. It still <laughs> hurts. But the way I look at it is, there's so many opportunities in all of the souls games to where you can go and farm back that amount of resource back. um Like I've just finished replaying the Demon Souls remake, and one of the end bosses it spawns like these like flying manatees, and they're super easy to kill, and you can respawn them super fast, and you've net like I think I was netting like. 8 to 12 K per run, and it was taking me all of two and a half minutes. So it's like if you look at it just like it's like, okay, I lost those in this area. There will be somewhere else I can farm these back later. It's not and just kind of move on. It'll help a lot. And this isn't just like me, like don't feel this way. It's just my advice to people who are trying to get into souls games and do have an issue with when you lose all your stuff and like wanting to throw your controller and, you know, put the game down. So. And I think I think that's great advice, especially for people who
4: do, are getting frustrated by that. For me, what the result of that math is a little different, though, just because like I 100 percent understand that. and I think you're yeah. absolutely dead on. Um, it's just also that I personally like a lot of different genres and I try to play a lot of different games and a lot of games are coming out and fighting for my attention at any given time. So for a game to say oh, you died twice, so the last three hours of the game didn't actually happen, is, like, right. really, really frustrating in a way that I'm like, well, then I'm just wasting my time. And I know I'm, like, getting better, and I'm learning the patterns and all that, but, like, it is it is very difficult for me to justify spending time on a game that, like, could just erase my progress than if I could just be playing a different game that is a little bit like, and like making tangible more tangible progress. And I understand that like just going and getting it back is like a totally valid option for people who are really falling into it. But just like, I try to, I try to play a lot of things. And so it like doesn't line up with how I play games personally. A lot of the time. It's like, it's one of the reasons I fall off quicker.
3: Yeah. No, hundred
2: percent valuable. Yeah.
3: And to to both of your points, like, both Horizon and Elden Ring are very much positioned as like the only games you'll need to play all year. There is so right. much yeah. content and it is like, if you are, uh, you know, someone who, uh, has heaps of time to play video games, then that is a wonderful thing. But like, if you are like time stretched, like I am, um, or there are lots of games vying for your attention, that's, I can definitely see, uh, where some of that frustration would come from. But yeah. like Elden Ring for me is very much like, oh, I will be playing this all year. I'm not gonna finish this. <laughs> right. I'm not gonna finish this anytime soon. This is gonna be like a slow burn. But also to Jada's point, um, you know, people should not be afraid also to use guides. Like if you need to know mm-hmm. where to farm something, just use a guide. I, like it oh, it, yeah. it makes it makes these games, honestly. I have no shame in saying that I ever looked up so much (laughs) I already like if you look at my phone like 30 tabs are open and they're all all Elden Ring questions like what do I do with this where where is the best place to farm in this area Mm -hmm. so you know like it that that can can really help as well if you are feeling frustrated.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean like to to what everyone's saying for me my my soul's experience was I tried Demon Souls on the PS3 and hated it. I tried Dark Souls and hated it. I tried Bloodborne and hated it because I could like because I could never get past the bosses and then I tried Sekiro and, could, and couldn't get past anything so I hated it too and put it down. It wasn't until I played Demon Souls the remake while I was streaming it and while I had you know a couple dozen people helping me when I would get stuck or offering advice or doing those things that I was able to push through and eventually get to the place where I was appreciating all of that and you know obviously having people watch and help was a good incentive to it. But I think like Tom totally to your point of if you get if it's a thing that gets frustrating, and it was frustrating for me for literally the first five times I tried to play Souls games, I do not blame anyone who bounces off that, especially because I do think... I think both Elden Ring is more approachable and somehow also not because I feel like coming in with now Souls experience helped me so much in the early hours. Like I immediately knew Mm -hmm. what to do with certain equipment, what to do with certain leveling, what to do with all that stuff. And there's light tutorialization here and light menu explanation, but a lot of it is still a mystery unless you look it up. And it's like Mm -hmm. knowing that going in was so helpful, but I also think it is so easy to very much be be pushed aside from this, because some people are going to, I think, see, oh, here's the main path that I need to go through. Here's Stormvale Castle that I need to go to. And you just keep hitting walls. Mm -hmm. And it it is the game telling you, go check out the 30 other things we have for you to go do. But maybe someone doesn't want to do that when they think, oh, all those things could potentially kill me too. So like I I totally get where you're coming from in terms of, like Mm -hmm. at a certain point for people, I think... I completely understand wanting to bounce from an experience like that if you're if you feel like you can't push ahead. Yeah. I do think Elden Ring allows more avenues to be like I'm stuck. Definitely. And in the past, in the past it was beat your head against the wall or go grind for 10 hours. Now it's like there are 10 other mystery dungeons for you to go explore. But you may mm. not think to do that, you may not know to do that, you may be afraid to see what is out there because it could also be very punishing, like I totally understand I think where thing everyone comes from in this the discourse that happens around oh
3: games. the D word the D I word I said it it is it, it, <laughs> yeah I it's, think it's, it's I'll just I'll just I just want to quickly say you know playing a a Souls game is but especially Elden Ring uh it does require you to look at the way you play video games in a very different way and just just to Jada's point like accepting failure is not something we are generally encouraged to do in video games because it's all about like moving forward, constantly moving forward, constantly gaining, constantly gaining. If you fail, it's a setback to your constant gains, right? And like, it is hard to adjust your brain in that way. It is also hard to adjust your brain to thinking, okay, the main path is not, I'm not ready for the main path yet, even though the game is like, well, not that Elden Ring funnels you at all, but like, the people who are looking for the sort of main path, they can find it pretty easily, but they're going to hit that wall. So it's just mm-hmm. very much like adjusting the way that you look at the way that you play games, really. Yep.
2: I'll talk a little bit about that later when uh, I do a breakdown um, for the Tree Sentinel fight. But yeah, totally, nice.
1: 100%. For sure. But yeah, it's, it is one of those things where like I... I think if I were not playing this game... Like, I've played a decent chunk of those 30 hours in co-op. My, my girlfriend's actually been playing mm-hmm. it. I have a few friends I've been playing with. And I think that has... But again, granted, even something like co-op, it, it works better in this game than I think it has in the past. It's still an arcane experience of literal mm-hmm. magic that you need to figure out to make sure everyone is aligned. You're all working properly together. It's not like you just go into a lobby and sync up. You have to do certain things and have certain items and, and all that sort of jazz. So it is like... There are layers to it that where people feel like they need to bounce from a Souls game. I completely understand because I was very much that person for over a decade. And I think like I totally get it. I think for those who are loving the game, I also see where everyone's coming from it from that love. And so it's it is one of those complex things where I would never tell someone who is hitting that wall, feeling like the game isn't respecting their time to be like, well, you're just playing it wrong because you're not. You're playing it the game you the way you want to be playing. And I like Mm -hmm. that is fine. And, and so, yeah, I, I very much understand yeah. it from both sides. And I want to say that this also doesn't even get into the realm of when it comes to accessibility and, and, you know, Souls games and all of that. And rather than dive into that, I do just want to point people to I forget if it was up on the last time I was here, but we had a wonderful piece from from a freelancer named Grant Stoner who put up a piece about how often when Souls games come out people are like well these games are too hard just put an easy mode in and how people in the accessibility communities are asking for so much more than in easy Mm -hmm. mode and how an easy Mm -hmm. mode doesn't really describe what they're aiming for in terms of wanting more people to be able to play souls games and how it it deals with game design theory and options and you you know all these little extra and, and important things that can be put into game design that are more than just oh well the enemies take more or they're they're easier to take down now it, it's so um, much more than that I, so, yeah. and also
3: just, Glenn grant has has just quickly grant has uh actually said that elden ring has made some really big advancements in accessibility awesome. uh and he has uh had a chat with steve Saylor, who's also oh, been yes. on um yeah. on podcast beyond before so please go check them out uh talking about elden ring and, and its uh, mm-hmm. approach to accessibility because um you know, by all accounts it's it's a really good step uh in the right direction. It's a it's a much more accessible game.
4: Yeah, I, totally. I think that uh to actually remembering now what something's is like th- I believe it was Steve tweeted actually that when I was talking about accessibility earlier, I was meaning approachability, right? Which of I, course mm-hmm. different right. things, so yep. I misspoke there.
1: Yeah. No, I, I totally thought that's what you, you meant there, but I appreciate yeah. you clarifying. But yeah, it's uh I I think for everyone who's getting sucked into this world, it's going to be exciting to talk about the secrets and things that uh, we are all you know discovering at different paces it's going to be an mm-hmm. interesting one to talk about throughout the year um but to before we we go on too long i do want to also focus on horizon as well came out and obviously we talk a lot about it in our uh spoiler free review discussion uh, and we'll you know talk about it more in the future i did want to jump to lucy and tom as well since you haven't gotten a chance to speak about it either tom i did want to just briefly start with you because you texted me last night and you mentioned how you had beaten it so i just yeah. wanted your your quick thoughts on it now that you've beaten the game
4: I rolled credits on it last night, uh, so I came into this game. I I've talked about this, I believe, on Beyond before I played the first few hours of Horizon Zero Dawn four times because <laughs> I just like kept going at it and not really being into it and bouncing off of it. And like like I never even made it to the proving right as like that first sort of initial oh. thing, because I just like wasn't enjoying it very much. Yeah. Um, and uh so i went into this game and i said you know what i'm i want to go into this game as just the experience of like what happens if you just go in blind and i didn't look up any story before or anything like that um and i enjoyed it a lot but i don't think i enjoyed it maybe nearly as much as a lot of other people did um i'm glad i beat it i had a lot of fun with it it's Absolutely gorgeous. The combat is really, really fun. The voice acting and the characters and the writing are like really great. One of the things that shocked me about it is that even like the random NPCs on quests that you're going to see talk to once and never see again feel like living, breathing people in a way that most games don't do. Um, so I was really impressed with all that. And I'm really glad that I played it all the way through to the end. But yeah, the open world just sort of got a little uninteresting to me after a little while. I did the sort of main side quests tied to all the main characters you meet, but I didn't really do many of I didn't do many of the errands right. I didn't do many of the other little side quests that were just like this person is missing in the forest. And I like was like, I don't care. Like it was a lot of that stuff sort of washed off my back. Mm -hmm. But like, generally speaking, I really did enjoy it and I'm, I'm glad I beat it.
1: I, I think what's good about the main path of the game, too, is that if you're not enjoying that side stuff, like I know for a lot of people, some of the outpost taking out things can be a little more boring. Some people love the Relic Ruins, some don't. There, there's other side quests as well. The Ruins I, I really liked.
4: The Ruins are like... The Ruins cool. are... Those are cool little
1: puzzles. Those are really fun. I But I do think just to, like you playing in that way with just focusing on the story, the game doesn't really punish you in any way. Like, it levels you up at a pretty good pace. Yeah. And even just doing a couple side quests in there that are related to those characters, you're at level. I don't really feel like I ever felt under-leveled, even if I was mainlining the quest for a bit.
4: No, definitely not. not. It's not a very punishing game in that regard. It feels like it wants you to be able to beat it.
1: For mm-hmm. sure, unless you're playing on ultra hard like Jada is. Sure, yeah,
2: sure. I, I've been, <laughs> on the normal I, difficulty, <laughs> I've been I've been level fifty, max level for the last like 20, 30 hours, and I still get one shot by Thunderjaws. So there's no <laughs> such thing as over leveling on the high, higher difficulty. That's the fair. highest difficulty. That's very fair. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And, uh, Lucy, I want to hear your thoughts. Obviously you reviewed the original Zero Horizon Zero Dawn for us. Mm -hmm. You didn't review Forbidden West, of course, but we were, you know, talking before we've been able to have you on the show of it. So now that you've, I I assume played a little bit more since we last spoke, but how are you feeling in general about
3: it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm sitting at the same place as Tom. Uh, I have not finished it, but I have played like a, a fair chunk. Um, you know, I go, I, I sort of, I've swung wildly in this game and continue to swing wildly between absolutely loving it, um, and finding it mm, grindy, a little, not grindy as in like, you know, we're forced to grind, but just a little bit repetitive and, and, you know, sometimes I feel myself sort of playing it and like absolutely not paying attention to what I'm doing whatsoever, just very much going through the motions of like, I should probably do the side quest, but not really, you know, not being sucked in enough to the world and to the, you know, the purpose at Aloy's purpose. I think part of that is I I am finding the, and this is a very much a personal thing because I know some people absolutely love it, but like, I'm finding the very like hardcore sci-fi story where you have to talk to someone and there are like 50 dialogue options and you kind of have <laughs> to exhaust them all or you feel compelled to exhaust them all uh, i'm finding that to be a bit of a, a bit of a slog like the story okay. itself i'm just finding rough <laughs> not not again that's just that's a me thing like i think some oh, people mm-hmm. really love that hard sci-fi stuff for me i find it boring at one point like i wanted to screen grab this dialogue option where i was like it was some side question like one of the dialogue options was your daughter's seeds. And I was just like, I suddenly realized I hadn't been paying attention at all. I had no idea what the daughter's seeds thing was about. Like, I was just like, Oh, this is, this is tedious. So, you know, uh, th- with that said, I absolutely think that the, the machines themselves continue to be just so outstanding. Um, the way that they move, the way that they look, uh, the, you know, the, the way that you fight them, uh, I am still getting real Jurassic park slash the lost world vibes playing this game, which is what I felt playing the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and to me, that's why I love these games so much is it's just that sense of discovery. When you see this giant thing and, and, and realize it's coming for you, you know, I love that. I love, I love the thrill of that. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I do love pro- traversals a lot better. I, I you know, I still, I was a little disappointed at first at at the way that Aloy was kind of um, not as free uh, when it came to her climbing. Like it still feels very uh, like a set path. Um, But, you know, that only really bothered me in the first couple of hours. Now I find it, I I think it's, it works. Um, And especially with the shield wing, I think is fantastic. And I love using that. Um shield yeah. every
2: shield every day baby shield, shield Wong totally, every day, totally. yeah, shield um, every day.
3: Yeah, it's it's yeah it's 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 great, it's a great game <laughs> um i think that you know it is it is it is very interesting i can't help but compare Elden ring and horizon because one feels focus tested to the nth degree, which is horizon, and one feels like one person made it, which of course is not the case, which is elden ring um it, it you know they're very different games but they do they do what they do very well <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> if You know what Angel- I, I, I think they're, they're going very, for
1: different types of open world they're, experiences yes, they're yeah. going
3: for different types of open world experiences and also going for different types of audiences right like mm-hmm. for sure I, and 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 yeah, and I'm realizing that maybe I'm a little these days. I'm I'm a little more Elden Ring than I am Horizon Forbidden West. But at the same like, time, that's that's a personal taste. Totally. Um, no, and I, yeah. I, I I think it's great. Like, and again, there are moments that I'm just like, this is incredible. So I, I live I live for that
2: in video games. I'm so glad you mentioned the Jurassic Park reference. I literally had a fight where I had overwritten a uh, a Snapma. And I was mm. fighting like some grazer or, or like fang horns or something like that. And no, it was leap leaf lashers it was the kangaroos. And they were literally jumping at me. And my snap came from off screen and snapped it with its mouth. And so, so I cut good. it to the drastic. I literally cut it to that T-Rex biting the velociraptor sound. Mm-hmm. I will tweet it mm-hmm. out. I will tweet it out after the show for people who want to see it. But it yes. is amazing. Um, but I totally 100% agree that these are two different. They're going for two different types of audiences. Mm-hmm. I'm about 80 hours in to horizon. I'm about 70% total completion. This is just like doing all the side quests, finding all the collectibles, everything like that. Um, and I, I love it. It's it's really weird. I generally get uh, don't like the very checklisty. go find all this. What's this question mark over here? Go find this. But I feel like every single thing I've done in Horizon has just been so captivating to me that I'm excited when a new question mark pops up on my map. I'm excited. I'm like, what is this going to lead to? There's been some real there's some real standout characters. There's some really amazing set piece moments. I love getting to these gorgeous visuals and just spending 30 minutes in photo mode. That's part of why my game clock is at 80 hours, (laughs) um, because I will sit there and rotate poses and the time of day and all the other filters it's it's just so so great the world is so alive one thing i will say to to, uh tom's point of like these like one-off throw characters that you don't you're not going to see again um there are a good chunk of them that you'll find back in the camps close to where their quests are so definitely if you you know you want to see kind of like check in if you've got time like maybe go check one of those old those uh those other those campsites because you might have like extra dialogue just to kind of like like an epilogue kind of there to their side quest story, which is really cool um, that I think a lot of people might miss out on. Um, And it's totally fine if you don't care about those types of things. um, But it's this game is so character driven um, that I love going in and checking in on the NPCs of this world because it's just it's a joy for me. I'm I'm really loving Horizon. Um, The only thing I'm disliking is when the game penalizes you for not playing the way they want you to play. Um, and this is like kind of in the arena or the hunting grounds and stuff like that. Like I get their special objectives and stuff like that. But like the arena, that very first Slitherfang challenge where you have to use these four specific weapons. I was like, I hate this. I don't like the weapon. I don't like. warrior bow i do not like the bolt blaster i do not like these weapons i like my bow i like my uh bomb slinger i like the shredders i just but these other ones when they force me to use those i get so frustrated because i was like i just do not enjoy using these so i feel penalized at those times so
1: getting locked into those can definitely be a little frustrating you're absolutely right and and lucy to your your point as well i think like the, the i really liked that story pivot but i think for some people it absolutely will not land and that's completely fine because it does take a hard turn <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in a way that like if that's not what you're in the horizon for, world for really may not drive and i totally understand that so yeah that's um definitely something for those who are playing through to know but yeah Uh, other than that I think Jada if it's all right with you you might have to hold on to because we're actually out of time hold on to the trophy tip for next week but uh, in the meantime thank you to all of you for joining me for this week's episode Uh, if I think we've mentioned it a bunch already on the show but if you haven't please go check out Max Scoville's Bash creatures Uh, he did the wonderful pot friend from Elden Ring and it's so good Uh, Max is just incredibly talented with those they're they're so amazing so great Uh, go check that series out if you haven't already Uh, and also please go check out all of our Horizon and Elden Ring coverage in general. Po- you know, post launch, we're still doing a lot. Lucy and I can attest to that. There are plenty of pieces we're still editing. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, post launch Horizon stuff that's already been up, including big changes, little details, uh, some some expl- explainers, explaining explains for, for those out there, uh, and then also Elden Ring explainers and and details and things like that. So so please look forward to all of that stuff and check it out if you haven't already. Uh, but before we go, anything else that you want to plug? Tom, I'll start with you.
4: Uh, I reviewed Far Changing Tides for uh, which is I the sequel to Far Lone Sales, so go check out that review. I didn't like it quite as much as the original, but I really loved the original, so that's a high bar
1: for me. That's right. I'm I still need to check out the original, but I do want to play that series. It looks really beautiful and like kind of chill in a nice way. Yes. Uh, Lucy, anything else on the features M that I'm forgetting that we should be touting?
3: <laughs> no, but Jada, I do I will want your trophy tip before i am not going to be on beyond for a hot even though i haven't been on, been on beyond for a hot mm-hmm. second because we're about to have a baby next week congratulations. Yes. Yeah. congratulations when i when i say we i mean my partner and i i am not pregnant she is um <laughs> and yeah that's happening so i am hoping that you know during his sleep time i'll be able to get some elden ring in and please send me all your tips because mm. uh i want to
2: Oh, and also I'll tell you guys, uh, I rolled a healer on purpose in Elden Ring to help introduce newcomers to the game. So if you need help, let me know and I will join your game and just heal you to help keep you alive so you can still get the glory of landing. I will not take final hits on bosses. You have to do that yourself, but I will heal you so you have more opportunities to do that. So
3: you are a saint. God damn it. That's, That's a good partner. Um uh, mm-hmm. well with that
1: said thank you so much uh to the three of you for joining me for this very fun episode you can find us all on twitter i'm at jm Jada is at jada underscore Rena. lucy is at luce o'brien and tom is at tom r marks uh thank you all again for joining me for this episode thank you to red our producer for making the show happen behind the scenes and thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching and sending in emails for if you have been please remember you can do that and i'll actually see them this time please send them in and we'll read some on the show in future weeks but that's going to do it for us this week we hope you're Doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, beyond.
0: beyond.
1: Beyond. Beyond.
0: Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out the Dungeon Cast, the best DD podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a light hearted and beginner friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful, or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.